Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. I hope you all are having a blessed week. We have a special guest about to come on here. We're going to be talking about landlording the right way. So it's going to be amazing. While we're waiting on our guests to join us, if you're catching this on the replay, make sure you go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Journey to Develop Her. Also, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your major platform sites, right? Where you can stream the podcast. Make sure you're sharing it with people that you know love real estate, who you know love um, all things, you know, self-development and business development as well. And if anybody has any questions for our guest who is a landlord coach, uh, please, please, please put your questions about being a landlord, property management, real estate investing, and the question box below. But she's going to be talking about landlording. She's been a property manager and investor and landlord for over 30 years. So she has tons of experience on that. And we're also probably going to talk a little bit about real estate development and or investing as well, because she has some experience with that as well. So I'm going to pick her brain for you guys. If you have any questions, put it in the box below question box below and definitely um, get to your question thank you for coming on absolutely we've been trying to get this going for like two weeks or so so i do appreciate you for taking the time out for meeting with me um let me introduce you to everyone this is a woman that I actually admire. I found her on a Facebook group somewhere. And I was like, I like her. She has to come on the podcast. And you're, you've been in the real estate industry for a long time. And I was just telling everyone that you've been in the landlord in or property management capacity for over 30 years. You also have a background working with CDFIs or the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority, right? Correct. Like, Ooh, okay. That's great. So we might ask you some questions about that later on, because of course, this is a real estate development podcast. So I'll probably ask a few questions on that, just so people know how maybe they could go about doing certain things, especially with dealing with that authority in New Jersey. But of course, the topic of today is landlording the right way. You are a landlord, you are a investor and a landlord coach, and you have your own platform. And programs that you do allow people to work with you. So that's amazing. So tell everyone who you are and um, whatever I left out, what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invite. Social media has its benefits and it allowed us to discover each other, cross paths, and uh, get me to share and pour out to you and your audience. So. In my bio, one of the things I start out with is that I am a creative soul, number one. My background and most formal training is as an artist. I am a recent retiree of a 23-year, nine-to-five career in real estate development, which was a phenomenal experience helping redevelop urban communities across the state of New Jersey. And simultaneously, my husband and partner and I, as we were working on nine to five jobs, 
build a real estate business and I consider myself on fire. I was a podcast guest on a a podcast when I first retired and the acronym that the host used was uh, he invited people who were on fire and that meant financially independent through real estate. So I like that. I embrace that. Uh, and I'm here to pour out and share. I have been in property management for 38 years. Uh, one of our products is called LL Docs 30, which is Landlord Docs 30. And I kind of gravitated towards 30 but I sat down recently under the instructions of one of my coaches. She said, forget saying 30 plus years. How many years? 38 years we've been at this. So, yeah, that's who I am. We can get more into it, uh, but I'm glad to be here. Awesome. I mean, that's incredible. I let everybody know your name because the last name I think I'm so Cam, I got right. That's okay. Is it Babe? It's Bab as an Ab. And it's avant, like avant-garde, avant-bab. Okay, got it, I got it. All right, I didn't want to butcher that. Everyone will have all of your information to get in contact with you and stay in contact with you. So the question of the hour is, what does it require to become a successful landlord? It's not a silver bullet. It's a combination of things. One answer that I always give is the secret sauce is screening, screening, screening. I teach that to my clients. We have employed that for the three plus decades that we've been managing properties. I use that. I, I use a lot of acronyms and, and, and just correlations. You have to become a private investigator. Somebody wants the keys to your <laughs> It's like getting married. So the secret is taking the relationship very seriously in that you have to date them. You have to investigate who they are. You have to determine if you like them, if you have chemistry. Of course, working within the boundaries of the law uh, and then incorporate your traditional screening um, steps. You know, I check social media. I visit where they currently live if that's convenient. Of course, employment verification, previous landlords, and, you know, the whole list. I have an eight-step process to our screening process. So that's been the secret sauce in our experience, in addition to some other things, but that's like the front end of, you know, entering into that relationship, finding a good tenant. I agree. And I never went on anyone's social media for my own tenant. But as a realtor, I have just to see person as a landlord. That's that's actually a great idea. That's when you're gonna really see their who they are instead of seeing their representative, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I'm on all social media, so I'm on all social medias. I'm googling their name just and for an exercise. Google your name and watch what comes up. So, as a part of the application and screening process, I'm googling them. I'm, I'm just turning every leaf and every book to to get a sense of who they are. It makes sense. So everyone, if you're just checking or coming on, we're here with, I'm going to call you legendary because you've been, you've been in the game for a long time. But we have Mrs. Kim Avat-Bab. All right. 
Um, and we're going to be talking about all things landlords. She has her own academy, her own community geared towards making sure you are a successful landlord. So you definitely want to start following her. Matter of fact, if you're not following myself or Mrs. Bab, make sure you do that right now. And while you're at it, please call me Kim. Please call me Kim. <laughs> okay, Kim, that's better. Um, yes. But yeah, if you're not following me, Deontay, or Kim, make sure you go follow us right now. Um, stay connected. And we're talking about being a landlord and we're in a, I don't even know what's in the future, but we're in a, a unique and new territory when it comes to real estate and landlording. But one thing we know for sure that the rents are not really going down. They're continuing to increase in many parts of the, of the United States. And they're now evicting individuals, at least where I am, evicting individuals. Um, so there's no more COVID excuses or leeway or whatever you had going on. Um, of course, there's people that are really suffering out there. Um, but unfortunately, the courts don't care. I'm just telling you what it is in many cases. So what are your advice? What is your advice for people who are landlords? They got burnt by the tenants mm -hmm. during COVID. Mm -hmm. That's not every tenant, at least in New Jersey. I don't know where you're, are you in Jersey or PA? I am in, I sleep in South Jersey. Our investments are in Philadelphia. Okay. So you're in the same state. So not everyone who applied for the rental assistance program was awarded the the grant or the, the money to pay their back rent. So it was a lottery, right? Um, in many cases. So what, what at this point should landlords do if they do have a tenant that's not paying? They didn't get no rental assistance because that time has passed. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for them? Okay, so what I'm going to say is COVID was the worst winter storm that we have experienced as landlords. It truly tested our business model as landlords. It tested who we are as landlords because who we are as landlords really, um, you know, filters into how we do business. Right. So it tested whether or not um, we had the business structure in place to have a cushion, to be able to interact and communicate with our tenants and to navigate that process. It's forcing us to rethink how we do business. Uh, some of us as landlords uh, were really financially affected by COVID and we're going to have to lick our wounds and move on and reassess how we restructure our business. It's unfortunate. I have, I'm in so many Facebook groups and, and, and real estate organizations. I've heard the horror stories. I've watched the devastation of small landlords. It really motivates me to be even more passionate about teaching the rudiments of how you manage your property. I think about, unfortunately, how you know, the sexiness of buying real estate is, is, is front and center. You know, how to get rich quick, how to buy real estate without cash, how to use credit cards. There's so much emphasis put on how to buy real estate if you're going to do flipping, wholesaling, be a developer, et cetera. But I, I correlate it to like buying a car. A lot of people do research about the car they're going to buy. They, they buy the car. They have the keys to the car in their hand. They test drive the car. 
but they don't necessarily research what type of gasoline to put in the car. And I compare that to real estate. They buy it. If it's a buy and hold situation, do they really spend the time doing the research and educating themselves on property management, which is the gasoline in the car? And unfortunately, that's the lesser area that they focus on, and that's where they get tripped up. And with COVID, it's really tested them whether or not they have the acumen, the skill set, and whether or not they've structured their business to weather the storm. Because Philadelphia in particular is a land, is a tenant-friendly state. Uh, and with COVID, there have been so many, as we know, eviction moratoriums in place. New Jersey had the longest one. It, it just expired, actually, uh, December of last year. So it really was a test of, um, you know, our ability to, to navigate difficult times. Yeah, I agree. And... Just for those who might need rental assistance, are there any programs that you know or grants that you know that are still compensating tenants or landlords in either state, New Jersey or PA? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, Philadelphia, their um, eviction diversion program, their their um, you know rental assistance programs. Of course, they were oversubscribed. They ran out of money. They got additional tranches of money but they have such a backlog of applications and requests, the prediction based on the organizations that I belong to, and if you don't belong to HAPCO in Philadelphia or a, a real estate, a landlord advocacy group in your state or region, I would suggest that you connect with them because for HAPCO in Pennsylvania, they had their finger on the pulse and kept the landlord community up to speed on how those rent assistance programs were funded, how they were depleted, uh, and, and really created a realistic expectation as to whether or not you were going to get compensated or your application was going to be, um, you know, um, uh, funded. So you, you really got to stay connected with the network that's really advocating on your behalf. I agree a thousand percent. And I, I see some people coming on. Go share this live with like 10 people right now. So we can get these numbers up. And also so you guys can learn about being being an investor, how to navigate through, like Kim said, well, she said probably the coldest winter, but this has definitely been a long winter storm of COVID. And then now we have this war. It could be another COVID or something worse coming, right? Clap a bit, but it can happen. How are you going to pivot and navigate through being a landlord, protecting yourself as an investor, your livelihood, Okay. This is your livelihood. This is your legacy. So if you place the wrong tennis or whatever the case may be, you can set yourself back a number of years, right? Everything that you work so hard for, you can lose it if you're not pivoting or um, being strategic at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With how you're investing. It's easy to get the property. Maintaining it is the issue right now. It's actually easier to buy the house at this point versus maintaining and staying afloat and stabilizing it. So this is why this podcast is very important. So go share it with everyone that is interested in becoming a homeowner or is already investing in landlording, right? Now, you brought up the topic of property management. Now, do you encourage your students to self-manage or to outsource those services? I don't encourage them to do either one. What I encourage them to do is look introspectively. 
I have a exercise called the mirror test. And I, I, I help them and I guide them to ask the hard questions. There's a quote by a real estate developer in Philadelphia called uh, Dan, his name is Dan Harvey. And I use the quote all the time. Landlording is a skill set. So when I coach my clients, I have them ask themselves the question, do I have the skill set? Do I have the personality? Do I have the business acumen? Do I have the patience? Am I too um, soft-hearted? You know, they have to answer those questions. And so if they feel that they want to learn, I'm here to guide them through the process and to, you know, acquire some skills. If they are not, and they admit it, I have some clients who say, I don't want to do it. I don't have the skill set. I want to hire a property manager. And I will guide them through that analysis and that assessment because I also tell them that hiring a property manager is not a set it and forget it situation. Don't be fooled. Don't have on rose, rose colored glasses. Why? Because the asset belongs to you. It is deeded in your name. If there's anything that goes awry and there has to be an eviction, which I compare to a divorce, right? So when someone wants to rent your property, I, 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 I compare it to the dating process. You want to get to know them. You go through the screening process. If they're approved, then you give them the key. It's like putting the ring on their finger. You are married. And we all know it's easy to get married. The challenge is getting the divorce. So if there is a divorce, which is an eviction, and you have a property manager, at the end of the day, you have to show up in court. Right. You have to weather the financial responsibility of that divorce, not your property manager. So, you know, I, 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 I encourage them and I give them things to think about uh, in reference to interviewing a property manager and not just picking one out of the yellow pages. That property manager is going to be your business partner. They're going to represent you uh, in the selection process, in the interaction process with your tenants. It's not just you're on a beach and they're sending you a check once a month. You really have to be participatory in the selection of that property manager, whether or not their business philosophy is in line with yours, whether or not you know they will treat your tenants the way that you would want them to. And it's just a whole list, a checklist of, 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 you know, what I encourage them to think about if they do not want to self-manage, but they want to hire a property manager. Awesome. And are you, well, outside of traditional rents or like sectioning tenants or cash tenants, do you um, implement any other strategies such as like corporate leasing, Airbnb, group homes? We don't personally, but I know that they're out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that's really a choice of the property owner, what type of asset class they want to be in, mm -hmm. because there's so many to choose from. What I encourage them to do is get educated. You know, be ready so you don't have to get ready. If you want to be in business, you really have to spend the time to do the research, to make alignments and network with individuals and organizations that's going to constantly feed you with the knowledge that you need to run your business. Landlording is a business. It is not a side hustle. Landlording is a business. It is not a side hustle. We are in tax season right now. If you're not doing your taxes, if you have not been uh, 
you know, <laughs> keeping your books and monitoring your income and your expenses since last year in reference to your rental properties, then you're not running like a business. I need you to get there. I need you to realize what it is and, and orchestrate it and manage it like it's a business. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm currently in uh, a government contracting cohort. And it's a few, a lot of things that I already knew, but if you are organized, if, if you are exercising your investment property or properties as a business and structure correctly, the government will actually pay you to house people just like a section eight tenant. So, and you can make more money. So make sure you guys, ladies, whoever are operating as a business, you're setting up proper business formation. You're not doing it as a sole proprietor. Get an LLC, get a tax ID, get a DUNS number um, and start operating as such, especially if you want to make money. And what I'll add to that is that, you know, many of us find ourselves in, you know, owning rental properties coming from, you know, different, different places, right? Some of us may inherit properties. Some of us may purchase properties. Some of us may be given properties. So we don't all start at the same place. And what you just mentioned triggered where, where we got started 38 years ago. We had no intentions in being property managers. Um, you know, bless my late mother-in-law, Estella Babb. Um, she owned real estate and was buying real estate into her 70s. Mm -hmm. um, our first foray of property management was managing her triplexes in Philadelphia, right? We were young, naive, and nervous. We didn't know what the hell we were doing, right? And then when we branched off in... She helped us buy our first investment property. We were operating as a sole proprietor. We didn't, we didn't know any better, any better. So as you progress through the journey, you learn as long as you, um, you know, commit to being a lifetime student and if this is a space that you want to be in. So as we move down the journey, we realize that, you know, being a sole proprietor and owning properties in our own personal name was not the the ideal situation. And then later on, we formed an LLC. So I, you know, say to my clients, you know, don't beat up on yourself because we don't know what we know now. We did. Well, I think, you know what I'm trying to say. If I knew now what I knew then, <laughs> right. I would have started out with an LLC, but you don't always know that. So you just progress as you grow mm -hmm. and you can recalibrate some things, uh, but just learn from your experience. Yeah. And because every, I mean, I'm sure everything wasn't a win during your journey, especially being in the business 38 years. Um, even if someone's just starting during COVID, everything is not going to be a win. Like, I'm sure these failures turned into lessons or whatever the case, maybe the, the losses turned into lessons. So yeah. I'll keep going at it. The business model does work. It's just sometimes things happen, right? Um, and I don't foresee rent going down. And if it, if it does, it'd be the first time in history. <laughs> it actually decreased instead of increased, right? Um, so, I mean, I would definitely encourage you to still invest. Invest wisely, of course. Don't just go buy anything. <laughs> Make sure it's going to be able to cash flow correctly and where you want to be at with your goals, right? Um, and, you know, reach out to 
Kim, myself, whoever that you trust and believe in to help you on your path. Your realtor might even be the person. Um, but just make sure you, you know what you're getting into. Now, if someone wanted to just get into real estate as a property manager, what's some ways they can actually get started? It's really state by state. I'm more familiar with the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. And my understanding based on research, because I get the question often, will you manage my property? <laughs> will you manage my property? I say, no, okay. we only manage our own portfolio. So in Pennsylvania, you have to be a broker or under a broker in order to manage other people's real estate. Okay. I would encourage individuals to do the research, um, you know, based on their state law and you know, go through that process and make sure that you're legit in doing it. I do have some clients who have had, you know, experiences with, you know, property managers who just say that they're property managers. And, um, you know, the landlords don't know the law to know that you need to be a realtor under a broker or a broker in the state of Pennsylvania. So again, it's about being an educated consumer, uh, but it is state state specific. Yeah, certain states are a little different. Like New York, specifically, you can just be a property manager. Okay. You have to get licensed as that. Um, New Jersey, I can't Because I'm not licensed in New Jersey, so I don't really know. But New York is a little different. Um, and if you go through that certification, they actually allow you to become a broker without going through the whole class. I'm like, eh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I guess everyone... Depending on where you live, like she said, do your own research, contact whatever the state boards are and ask all the questions on how that specific state works. But no, I, I said, let me ask. And I'm glad to know that PA, you cannot do it. Um, yeah. Because I know people that go into property management by doing Airbnb. So I guess they're not doing it in um, PA. <laughs> they must be doing it unless they're licensed, right? Um, let's redo it in, in maybe other states. So that's good to know. So let's also talk about, you know, your, I don't want to say nine to five job history, but let's talk about what you did over the last couple of years working with the NJ, no, RDA. NJRA, New Jersey Redevelopment Authority. <laughs> Thank you. The New Jersey Redevelopment Authority. Correct. Um, Talk about what was your role in that position and um, about the programs that they actually have. Well, you're not really working there now, but just so, just in case people on this line didn't know they existed and they didn't know what they did for urban communities and urban develop developers, excuse me. Sure, sure. So uh, I retired uh, during COVID uh, in September of 2020 as chief strategy officer at the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority. The NJRA is independent state finance authority that um, exists and was created to provide additional financing and technical assistance to urban cities across the state of New Jersey to help them rebuild their commercial quarters. So um, the NJRA has, is basically like a bank. They were allocated uh, millions of dollars, you know, over the past two decades to finance real estate deals, to rebuild commercial corridors in urban cities like Elizabeth and Newark, Camden, 
Willingboro, all over the state of New Jersey. So that's the mission and the mandate. And then on the technical assistance side, uh, I spent the last 14 years um, building a accredited regional training institute. Why? Because as a lender, as a bank, we would get approached many times by nonprofit developers, um, you know, local organizations, and even municipalities who wanted to redevelop their commercial corridor, but did not necessarily understand the rudiments of how to do redevelopment, how to structure the financing and the steps to redevelopment. So we created a training institute, a hub, where instead of sitting across the table from them and saying, you know, pastor from ABC Church, I know you have a CDC, which is a community development corporation, and you want to redevelop, um, you know, the, the square block of your church, you don't understand redevelopment. Right. Instead of turning them away, we suggest that you come and attend the Redevelopment Training Institute. And um, it went from, so I, during my nine to five, I was an entrepreneur outside building a real estate company, but also an entrepreneur building a company within the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority, i.e. the Redevelopment Training Institute. Certainly a crown jewel in my career. Um, we trained thousands and thousands of attorneys and planners and mayors. Uh, people attended the Redevelopment Training Institute from nine or 10 states around the country. So. It was really a hub for learning and understanding what the redevelopment and real estate uh, process is all about. Now, does that program still exist? The Training Institute, yes, it does. Okay, so everybody go watch the replay, go write, take notes, <laughs> and absolutely. find them online. Um, because she's not a part of that organization anymore. But, yeah, but it is still going through. Right. Nothing. They, they just had, you know, with COVID, so much is virtual. I think it was last week they, they had a, a forum around development, and I think it was focused on, you know, the impact of COVID on development. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's legacy, right? So, so taking something and building it and leaving a legacy is having, you know, the, the the ability to have it still function when you're not there. And and so I'm proud of that. Uh, I started at the organization as a community organizer, if you will, working uh, on the ground in communities across the state, like Asbury Park and Neptune and other places, meeting with all the stakeholders, having strategy sessions around what their vision was to rebuild um, commercial corridors like Elizabeth and Jersey City and West New York. And then I moved into finance. Again, being a lifetime student, educating myself about how you structure deals, finding deals for us to finance, and then um, moving into um, business development and building a training institute. That's awesome. That's incredible. And yeah. thank you for coming up with that program. Um, I did take a look at the website. When we, you and I connected. Actually, I missed that training. I was, I paid for that training. I didn't go, but it's fine. Um, but no, thanks for, you know, being a visionary and introducing that program because I feel like a lot of individuals throughout this country, they have great ideas. They even own acres of land, 
they don't know the slightest thing to do, right? And then yes. they come on a place like, you know, Instagram, and then somebody's like, yeah, give me $10,000. I'll show you how to do everything, right? Or they contact a, um, you know, a redevelopment consultant firm who's going to even charge them more, to be honest with you. Yes. With it. So little, not little, but training institutes like that that's community-based, that's specific to our people, right? The ones that probably get taken advantage of the most is idle. Um, so thank you. Let's give you your flowers while you're here. Thank you for creating that program. You're welcome. You're welcome. And and part of the part of the thought process was making that training institute accessible. Everybody is not, you know, some people are intimidated by you know, the college walls and and being on college campuses. So we wanted to make it more so approachable and, you know, just welcoming to any and everybody who wants, who wants to learn about real estate development. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what we're talking about developing and construction, let's talk about like when you buy, when you're landlording, Mm -hmm. that thing, updating your kitchens and bathrooms, how that can actually bring in a return, right? So what are some tips, if if you don't mind sharing on like, you know, getting the most rent, right? By doing minimal upgrades. What are your, um, your advice or tips on in that area? So at, at the forefront of, of that response, our company's mission and commitment has always been to provide quality housing um, for our tenants at a competitive rate based on the market, right? Um, number one driver for us is, as I mentioned, really, really utilizing the secret sauce of screening and looking for tenants who we want to welcome into what we call our tenant community. So we built a tenant community. Uh, it's not a haphazard environment uh, where people, just strangers, live in our properties. Uh, while we are friendly, we're not their friend. It's a business relationship. They're really our on-site property managers. So we want that environment to be um, welcoming to them because we're, where we live is is really important to us in our individual space, right? So that's the philosophy that we start off with as a company, their properties. And so with that, we want to make the environment comfortable, healthy, and safe. We have had tenants with us. Our longest tenant has been with us for 14 years. Okay. Right, right. So when we talk about upgrades, renovations, it's our responsibility as landlords to maintain that asset and give that customer, um, you know, what they deserve for the rents they're paying us every month. It's our job to monitor that property, to maintain that property, and to be responsive to our customer. One of the second prongs um, or core values in our company is impeccable and responsive customer service. We are, if we get a call, like we, we try to respond within 24 hours to anything that's going on with our properties. Why? Why? Because the property is our asset, right? We just had a situation for the first time in 38 years of managing real estate and I did a reel on this on Instagram and got just an enormous response to it. But for the first time, we got the call 
from our tenant that they had bed bugs. Oh. It was like, oh no, we got the call. Like the um the pest control company that came out and managed, it was a very light infestation. It was not major at all. He said, You're lucky. The first time in 38 years with all the properties that you've managed and people that you've interacted with, for this to be the first call in 38 years is is just phenomenal, right? The point in bringing that story up is in Philadelphia specifically, they recently passed the bed bug law that, and this is why you have to know your business, that requires the landlord to pay 100% of remediation for bed bug infestation if it happens within the first 365 days of tenancy. So when we got that phone call, we had to pay for the remediation. And I've gotten some requests or, or, or response from people, well, why should you have to pay? Well, number one, it's the law. But number two, at the end of the day, at the very end of the day, that's our property. If that tenant and they're in their first year's lease, if they decide not to renew and they move, and we don't remediate that property, we still have bed bugs. Right. And the law requires us to disclose, um, you know, the fact that we've had bed bugs to to future potential tenants and have the documentation of confirming that it's been remediated. So the onus falls on us. Right. And landlords, so you know, it's 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 really important that we understand the law and that we are compliance officers. I teach in my classes that uh, landlords are they have multiple personalities, right? Um, they're the compliance officer, they're the good cop, the bad cop, they're the investigator, they they're the cleaning crew. Like we do everything, small landlords, right? Um. So that's that's a fact. But when we talk about, you know, how do we upgrade, maintain, and maximize the potential income from our properties, we have to we have to monitor and see what repairs need to be done and make decisions. So the one tenant that has been with us for 14 years, of course, we want to make sure that, that property uh, is habitable and comfortable. So we just recently made an investment and had the entire house painted. We brought in professional painters. And that's a challenge when someone lives in the property. Mm-hmm. But we made the investment and we did it. On the other hand, we have been moving through a cycle of upgrades on our rental properties, on the turnover, when the tenant decides to move on. It's easier to do upgrades on a vacant property than when someone is in it. Uh, we have, and if you go to my Instagram page, I just actually did a walkthrough of the current um, property that we are upgrading right now. We're putting in hardwood floors on the second floor, modern road on railing. We're updating the backsplashes in the kitchen, uh, stainless steel uh, appliances, et cetera. So we did an assessment and an analysis before the tenant moved out and created a budget and decided what kind of upgrades we were going to do. And, you know, what our competition was also offering in the marketplace. Cause that's our job too, as, as investors to see, you know, what our competition is, because when we list the property, 
we're competing against other landlords and we want our asset to be competitive. So that's another way how, you know, that, that we determine what kind of upgrades that we're going to do. Sorry, I got a lot going on in my background. That's okay. But no, I'm listening. Yo, that's definitely, um, I agree with that a thousand percent. Um, and I personally tried to do a whole rehab in uh, an apartment or a house, excuse me, with a tenant and it did, didn't have, had, had to cancel some things. I'm like, I'll just wait until you leave. <laughs> um, but again, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just to in, in, intersect there, but think about a tenant that's been with you for 14 years who says, every time I call, to see if she's going to renew. She doesn't let me finish the sentence. And she says, I'm not leaving my house. That's how so, Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. But as a property owner, how do you still know that there's not going to be a vacancy, that this tenant, uh, you know, has a, a, a lifetime membership to your tenant community and they're not leaving, but you still want to make sure that you're maintaining and posting up their property. So you kind of have to work around that. Right. And I'm I'm assuming you would recommend one of us. So let's say, what are some of the things that you would add in your lease to make sure you can manage, you know, how the person, is, the tenant is treating your property, right? Um, do you add some caveats in there? Like give me access every quarter so I can do an inspection on the property. That's an interesting ask of a question. And I believe that, you know, our personality as business owners, as landlords, and uh, our moving orientation backed up by our documentation really sets the tone. And I teach this to my clients. Like, you have to figure out who you are as a person and how you're going to interact with your tenants that's backed up by your documents. So Landlord Docs 30 is a landlord property management document bundle that we introduced about four or five years ago. And it has all the documents for you to manage your property from the application to the actual lease document, which ours is a 10-page lease document. All the documents have been legally reviewed and approved. It includes a script of questions that you can use when you call their previous landlords with an S. Okay, you want to talk to as many landlords as possible. It has a script of questions that you would ask their employer. Uh, it has all sorts of addendums that are included. The Landlord Docs 30 bundle was created over the three decades that we were growing and learning. Whenever we encountered a situation with a tenant, we created a document. For example, we had a couple that lived in one of our properties and they decided not to renew their lease. Okay, fine. They gave us the notice. You know, listen, it was a cordial relationship. We dated. We decided we wanted to hang out. You decided that you want to break up. No problem. Okay, so we listed the property. We're going to show the property, right? They gave us pushback and said, I'm not comfortable with you bringing people in the home while we're here. 
And I said, okay, but you told me that you're not staying. So I'm putting the property on the market and I'm going to start showing it. And we had to negotiate a mutual agreement where they were not in the property when we brought people there. I mean, it was like really, really a push and pull. So what did we do? We created a clause in our lease that says, upon mutual agreement of discontinuance of renewal, we have the right as landlords to market the property and schedule showings that is, you know, convenient for everyone. So that 10 page lease includes a lot of different clauses that allow us to create mutual expectations between us and our tenants. For example, entry, the right to enter. Right. If it's an emergency and we get a call, we're going to go right in. If it's, you know, just a, an occasional maintenance walkthrough, we're going to give you 24 hour notice. So your documents have to support how you operate your business and how you communicate with your tenants. It's, and it's, it's not, and I, I think I did a reel on this as well. I've got a lot of hits on this because I hear from landlords that my tenant says, I, I can't come to the property. Excuse me? Wait a minute. At the end of every moving orientation, I shake the tenant's hands and say, welcome to our home. You can stay as long as you want, as long as you pay your rent on time in full and you take care of our asset. So I get really confused when along that journey, the tenant gains the control in the reins of your property and tells you that you can't come to my house. I, I don't understand how that happens, but it doesn't happen with our company. And again, I, I think it depends on, you know, who, who, who you choose to get into a relationship with, the demeanor of that person and how you communicate um, that prenup, which I consider the lease is the prenup. Wow. I, I mean, I like the way you correlated to love because it is like you're dating with a tenant and you won't know who they are. So it's time for divorce. And sometimes they come in as kittens and they leave as lions because the relationship gets toxic and ugly. Mm. And it's unfortunate that it ends with a divorce. And my commitment in this space of being a landlord strategist and a landlord coach is I want to alleviate landlords from ever having to experience the divorce. I want to alleviate landlords from ever having to evict a tenant. So that's the motivation for me, you know, instilling um, tools and techniques and strategies to help you, number one, eliminate the fear that is going to happen to you. And then having it happen because it's, it's emotionally and financially draining. It can be. And I'm glad you mentioned tools. Um, I'm going to assume you also have like some type of systems or apps that you use to help manage your own properties. I don't know how many you have, it's up to you if you want to share. Um, but over the last 38 years, they have developed, you know, prop tech type of apps to help you um, manage properties, right? So what are some of your favorite apps that you use or websites that you use for property management? So we use Tenant File, which is a, um, a online property management system. 
and it's really your preference and it, it should be something that that you read you know all buildium and apartment.com there's so many property management systems out here um, that are available so you need to do your research see which one feels good to you um you know depending on if your appetite is okay to have all of your information up in the cloud or not, which we're not. Uh, tenant file allows us to have total control of all of our information and data. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really up to you to like do the research and see what, what feels good to you uh, as far as a property management system. So, but you need a system. You absolutely must have a system. Now, what I'll say is we started out young, naive, and nervous. We used an Excel spreadsheet, right, uh, when we first got started, but then started exploring different property management softwares and systems. Uh, but you definitely need a system, especially right now, tax season. Like, you need a system where you can run reports. You can do P&L statements. You can look at, um, you know, all your expenses, your balance sheet. So those, those, those softwares allow you to run those numbers and know where you stand. What I do offer to my landlord clients, and I just launched the first landlord cohort training program. I was just about to ask you, I know you just launched one, but is it too late to join that one? Or do you have another one coming up? I think you do, right? I have another one coming up in May. I'll start marketing actually. Folks can look out for a free webinar I'll be doing on how to screen rental applicants on May the 30th. So I'm excited about that. I'll run a few free webinars because I want to just pour value into you and uh, invite you to join our second cohort, which will start on May the 30th, which is intensive. We meet twice a week. We get into the rudiments and just techniques around um, property management and landlording and then we get into strategy it's really chock full of nuts plus you get a, a lot of different tools and uh, systems and bonuses like the um the landlord finance financial dashboard which is an excel based uh, document that we've developed over the three decades that really complements whatever kind of property management software that you're working with. I believe you need to know your numbers. Oh yeah. You need to know, you need to know your numbers and the landlord finally. Yeah, you really do. But you'd be surprised how many people don't know their numbers, not necessarily only and singularly connected to, um, you know, how much your rents are. But when we talk about wealth building, um, you know, the value of your assets, how much equity you have in that property, when you purchased it, the balance of your existing mortgage, if you have an existing mortgage, um, and, and how your real estate portfolio correlates with your personal finances and what your net worth is. So that, that's what that, that product, the landlord financial dashboard will, will provide for for landlords that participate in our program and just a bunch of other things as well. I love that. I love everything you're doing. Um, don't be surprised if you see me in the cohort. Come, come, absolutely. But no, I definitely encourage those who do want to become homeowners, you want to house hack, you want to be investors or whatever you want to do, developers even, right? Because you can build to rent. 
Um, definitely check out Kim's program. Definitely start following her and, you know, watch her vi- her reels because I'm about to go watch them. <laughs> she gave us some great insight about the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority. So every And those courses are pretty affordable. Um, I think that's what's up for like 10 bucks. So go check it out. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast, everyone. Make sure you go follow her again. Make sure to catch this replay. Go to journeytodevelopher.com or journeytodeveloper on Instagram, of course. Um, we're on YouTube. This episode will be on Spotify, Apple I, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and all the other major platforms out there. So make sure you go watch it, go share it. We do have a question. I thought I just gave that host bill. My sister in Christ actually asks, is there only, is this only for experience or new landlords too? I, I work with aspiring landlords and existing landlords and particularly small landlords who own under 20 units because I feel that, you know, the service and the assistance and the preparation needs to be there for them. So no, you don't have to be a landlord. I do work for work with aspiring landlords because they want to using buying a brand new car analogy again. They want to figure out what kind of octane they need to put in this car before they buy it. So before they buy that first rental property, they want to understand property management. And kudos to those individuals who want to um, be ready and not have to get ready. Yes. So my sister Shay, she's definitely ready. She's, you know, she she's probably going to really be ready to move in like the middle of summer in the August. She's like, no, I need to know everything now. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I have the cohort, which is group coaching, but I also offer one-on-one coaching. Uh, you can go to my Instagram page and sign up for a free 15-minute consult as well. We can have a conversation, see where fit is and how I can help you be successful. Awesome. So she, she, she's going to be... Definitely. <laughs> I'll call you, I'm sure, or setting up that consult. So thank you again for taking the time out. You'll definitely be hearing from me personally um, very soon. So again, don't be a stranger and we will talk soon, all right? It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye.